What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this NL West preview here on the Bullpen Card Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself, Seth Siefler, and Andrew DiMaggio breaking down the 2021 season for the NL West. The Diamondbacks, Rockies, Dodgers, Padres, and Giants. We go through all five teams. We give our predictions. We don't do a fantasy draft in this one. You'll see why this episode runs a little late. And you'll see why. Listen to it. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Mash the subscribe button. Leave a nice five-star review. Download all the episodes. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Thunderbox Sports is where you can find us on Instagram. But enjoy the episode. Can't wait to hear what y'all think. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, the namesake of the Bullpen Cart Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me for this NL West Division Preview, our host this evening, Mr. Seth. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Jordy. Riding high from our excellent conversation just now that we just recorded on uh, on the Yankees. Oh, yeah. we uh, That is the bonus podcast that you may have noticed in the feed, so check out both of these episodes. Obviously, you're checking out this one, but the Yankee one was excellent. He joined us for that conversation. He is going to be hanging out here, voicing his opinions. It is Mr. Andrew DiMaggio. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Howdy. Doing fine. Uh, my heart breaks that I can't discuss Gary Sanchez for another hour and 20 minutes, but I'm ready to open my heart to other possibilities. <laughs> I think we can figure out a way to bring Fat Gary into the conversation. I'm sure we will. When I close my eyes, I can see him. Me too. Well, we are doing the NL West today. If you are tuning into the bullpen card for the first time, if you joined with the Yankee preview, or if this is just your first time listening because you are friends with Seth, Andrew, or myself, we do division previews. This is the fourth of six we've been doing. We still have the NL Central and AL East, so you do the math. The other three that we've done, this is the NL West. We're going to go alphabetical by city name, as Andrew pointed out. Technically, we could do the Arizona Diamondbacks either first, or we could do them last, being in Phoenix. But we are going to lead off with them. Then Colorado, another one that would be probably in the same spot, CD. I guess technically first, if Arizona is being P. But regardless, we're starting off with... Start with Arizona. We're starting off with Arizona. Yeah. The Diamondbacks come into this year. Um, really, anybody that's not in California, or in Southern California, we'll put it that way, in the NL West, is coming into this year, I don't know, wondering how are they going to keep up or, or what their storyline is this going to be for us this year. Seth, when you see the Diamondbacks, what jumps out to you? Quote George Costanza, they're bleak. <laughs> uh, not not much reason to be optimistic, I think, if, if you're a Diamondbacks fan. You don't have a great team to begin with. Yep. And you're playing in an extremely, extremely top-heavy division. Uh, you've been bit by the injury bug all spring. Um, uh, most notably, uh, most recently with Zach Allen and a stress fracture in his forearm, uh, Cole Calhoun, who was... 
uh, a monster for them, kind of out of nowhere all of last year towards Minnesota. They took a flyer on them. Yep, yeah. at, the, uh, at the start of spring training. So uh, really not very much reason for, for optimism at all. You're saddled with a pretty nightmarish contract in, in Madison Bumgarner. Um, his, his stuff was just brutal last year and tough to see. Uh, I mean, he, he, he is just a shell of his former self, we'll, we'll put it that way. So uh, I think it's a very bleak outlook. And, uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks, they clearly, uh, around 2019, uh, were, were making a real run. They had a lot of reason to be optimistic about, you know, Cattell Marte, and, and that just hasn't, didn't work out this past year, and, and he's sort of, you know, come back to earth. So bleak is the headline that I would give them. That is a excellent way to put it. And to kind of put an emphasis on that point, going on Yahoo's death chart roster page, they don't even have someone in right field for them. Showing uh, showing just... Granted, Yahoo sometimes is not totally up to date, case in point. Uh, but it is a bleak outcome for them. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. Uh, an excellent point, just both on Calhoun's injury, of where we're going to go with Marte, and just seeing some of the losses. They you know sent Starling to the, to the Marlins and... You know, they've just kind of been this team that's two years ago they had a shot at, at really making some noise and now have really walked backwards. I was going to say st- stood pat and let players you know go by, but they, they really just have taken a lot of steps backwards, whether it's statistically injury-wise or just letting players go. But they've seen, and this is going to be a recurring theme, when we aren't talking about the Padres and the Dodgers, but we've seen the Padres and the Dodgers obviously – L.A. coming off a World Series title, but San Diego, both in players being excellent and just over the years making moves and, and bringing in guys. And obviously this offseason was their crescendo to this point of a lot of certain hype to it. But we're talking about the Diamondbacks and I'm going into San Diego. I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's names of guys that were a part of those runs in 2017 and 2018 that you're wondering what they're going to end up doing, like an Eduardo Escobar, a guy who had you know some pretty solid seasons in there, but then also the shelf of his former self is a really good way to put it with Bumgarner and with a lot of these other guys too. So it's going to be, it is going to be bleak. I was going to try to put a, a different spin on it, but that's the perfect way to put it for him. Yep. So so before we uh, give predictions or whatnot, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll direct this trivia question to both of you. Sure. Um, when I was when I was kind of looking at the off season uh, recap, and this isn't really an off season recap, but uh, I'm kind of giving away the answer here. Um, who led the NL in walks last year as Did a pitcher? Pitching as a pitcher. I assume it's Diamondbacks related. Was it Bumgarner? It was not Bumgarner. Uh. It could have been Gallon. Was not Gallon. Luke Weaver. Was not Weaver. Caleb Smith. It's not Caleb Smith. That's a good guess, but it was not Caleb Smith. Yeah, he walks a lot of guys. Yeah. Uh, right, tell me. Robbie Ray. Oh yeah. Who, which is all the more absurd because he was traded to the Blue Jays. Yeah. Trade deadline. Sign uh, me up for that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I share that. Uh, uh, no other reason than uh, I think that's a pretty wild stat. Well, you feel for a Diamondbacks fan. You suffer through your prescribed downturn. 2014, you lost almost 100 games. Yep. That's Tigers a little bad. Detroit, no stranger to shots being fired. 
Um, 15, and, 15 and 16, no better. You know, well, technically better, but not competitive. 17 and 18, you look great. 19, you look competitive. And Cattell Marte, what a season, like you mentioned. Then you have, you know, the, the real downturn in Cattell Marte and Eduardo Escobar. You got some bright spots. Christian Walker, he's a good player. You know, I think, you know, if you're looking at, like, a roster and you're like, you know, who can we count on to be reliable? He's good. David Peralta's got some game. Decent hitter. You know, swings the stick a little bit. Decent's at best, though. But, I mean, you're, you're playing in a world with, with two juggernauts. So you're, you're, you're essentially got to slay Goliath to make a wild card. And you're talking about decent players. Exactly. It's, it's just not really in the cards right now for the Diamondbacks. And it, it sucks that you, you kind of went through a little bit of a rebuild and a little bit of an upswing. Um, but I think it just goes to show how hard it is to compete in baseball unless you're willing to really, you know, get really innovative or spend a lot of money or get really lucky. And the Diamondbacks, I think, uh, kind of caught in the middle a little bit. No, that's a really good point. And it's caught in the middle is, is almost putting it nicely at just this spot that, and again, I hate to always bring it back to L.A. and San Diego, but they're on such a different plane that even other teams realize this and they had the capital to do it, whether from a new owner like the Mets or a team that's been good and just kept adding to it like the Braves, of they knew they had to be aggressive to try to you know, keep up with this, and Arizona didn't do that. And, you know, it, it, it's... Sucks to be you, but that's what happened. And, and now they're in this spot where, yeah, if they're really battling for a wild card because they figured out something creative with guys they have in the minors or guys are having really good years, whatever happens, great. But it's something, too, of at any point, one of those four teams can go off if they're slowing down and at, at some point or if they're keeping somebody at bay, a Diamondback, say, Rockies, a team in the NL Central, Whatever happens, you know, it, it, at some point they can go off and they can make some sort of addition. So it's it's something to it of of decent at best really isn't going to do too much other than just being kind of a mid-tier baseball team. Yeah, I mean, the reality of uh, divisions in baseball is that it's kind of like a party with one really hot girl and her okay-looking friend. <laughs> and for a while, the Diamondbacks were positioning to be the second best-looking guy at the party. But out of nowhere, San Diego had a growth spurt, dropped 20 pounds, and got a cool haircut. One now great, they fucked. One great winter. Yeah. One great winter. Yeah. And took, now off they're, the, took off the sweater, and here we go. And now they're looking at not the, not the hot girl, not the decent-looking friend. You're not even getting the invite. Fringe guy. Fringe guy. Hashtag Friday beers. You hate Seth, to see it. any other final thoughts on the Diamondbacks before we move on? No. Pretty, uh... I think Andrew said, I feel for a Diamondbacks fan this year. Uh, you uh, d- doesn't help that they're uh, playing and languishing uh, in in the middle of the desert. Uh, yeah, all, that's a good all, point all, too. All summer long, and uh, I think uh, they're going to be some long dog days for the Diamondbacks this summer. Chasefield air conditioned. You they they have they right? have the humidor now. Oh. Well, that's like significantly reduced home runs there. Because um, Chasefield used to be uh, yeah, used to be hitter's, uh, hitter's paradise. paradise. Yeah, I mean Paul Goldschmidt made his name there. Yeah, um, and uh, the uh, yeah, as 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 my dad uh, called it when he uh, did his fa- he did a fantasy league one year, uh, got very frustrated, didn't do it again. But uh, the humidifier, 
he was very interested in how the humidifier would impact uh, balls at, uh, at, at Chase Field. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, let's go to the opposite of that. Great transition. Denver, Colorado, both D and C for the city names for Andrew's sake. The Rockies, what can we say about the Rockies? Seth, I know you have a big take on them. This, it's, it's not that I have a big take, but so there was actually um, just you lead off with the bigger the bigger idea. Well, so just just this week there was a huge article uh, in in the Athletic uh, that Ken Rosenthal co-wrote um, as Doherty pumps his fist while we've got the uh, Sixers game on in the background. One of the wildest Sixers games. Wild, wild Sixers. That's game. saying something in the the Embiid era of wild Sixers games. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so you know, obviously the big offseason story with the Rockies is is the trade just two years after signing him to a monumental uh, and historic contract of Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals. Um, uh, so pr- pr- pretty remarkable statistic here. Um, so the Rockies GM, who's uh, admittedly an idiot, Jeff Burdick. Um, but is, is clearly a bit of a slave to uh, the owner, a very over-involved owner, uh, what was his name, Dick Monfort there. Um, this was in the athletic piece that I just mentioned. So in his more than six years running the team, uh, Britic has committed more than $300 million in salary to 19 free agents on major league deals, and those 19 free agents have combined for a collective negative 3.4 wins above replacement while with the Rockies, um, which is just file that under, you are terrible at your job. Jesus. Um, has, has made just a series of bad decisions after bad decisions. Uh, the Rockies have uh, not once, but twice um, alienated permanently uh, franchise cornerstones, first being Troy Tulowitzki, who was very open after we shipped off to the Blue Jays about how he felt he was badly mistreated by the Rockies, and uh, you know I think we're only going to continue to hear more of that from from Arenado. Um, you know, this is a, a team that was not willing to uh, to pony up uh, eighteen million dollars over two years to resign BJ LeMahieu who, for all intents and purposes, wanted to stay in, in Colorado yeah. long-term. Um, and is, is just, quite frankly, a, a very badly run organization. Um, the, the quote of the offseason, I think, came from uh, the owner, Dick Montfort, uh, shortly after the Arenado trade, which he was clearly not happy about. Um, and he was asked a question about you know how fans could trust the organization, and, and he essentially said, uh, you know, if I could, I would fire myself. Um, and and I think that's all you need to know. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, really good point there. Um, looking at the team itself, they still have Charlie Blackman, they still have Trevor Story, um, they have. Their pitching staff that'll do, you know what what they may be able to do. You know the the big story always with the Rockies and pitching is Coors Field and the fact that the air is thin. They let up a lot of home runs. Uh, but that being said, it's going to be a huge question of what happens there. I mean, they had one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball last year. I mean, losing Arenado is huge. Um, it's going to be. Nuts to see how this team goes. I mean, Charlie Blackman started the year 
batting 500 over 17 games. You don't think that's going to end up happening? I mean, he was, I want to say ice cold, but it was like 220 or something like that over the second half of the season. I forgot that's, about that. That was a great storyline. Oh, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, it was wild to see. Uh, and he still ended up with a 303 batting average. But I remember, like, thinking it was ice cold and it wasn't that terrible. Um, solid DFS start. But, I mean, a lot of a lot of this is like Garrett Hampson, a guy that, like, seemed like a hot... He's going to start the season on an AIL, just FYI. Oh, yeah, uh, even he, even more of a, of a point of me being like, oh, what are we going to get out of him? He's starting the season on the IL. There we go. Um, I mean, Tapia, you know, what, what are we going to get out of that? Of him in the leadoff spot and seeing that with Blackman being back in the three spot or going to the three spot. And I don't know, it's just a lot of this guys that we're looking at of that you want to get numbers out of. And if they start off hot, great. We've seen the Rockies do that plenty of times. And then really patter out as the season goes on. So yeah. it's it's one of those things you mentioned, just a really poorly run organization. And it's, you, f- you feel for Diamondbacks fans, you feel for Rockies fans, because they've gotten close a number of different times. They've had a number of different names that you can think of that they either maintained a relationship with and, and kept them forever and treat them well, like a Todd Helton. And maybe that's what the deal is with, with Blackman or Story. But then you mentioned Tulo, you mentioned Arenado. You know, you can think of plenty of other guys that will leave the organization and say all this sort of stuff. So it's kind of this tale of two cities type of thing out of the out of it. So they deserve better. The fans do. It's a great line from this athletic piece. Uh, it's uh, The Rockies cannot be described as cheap. They can be described as dumb. From 2017 to 2020, <laughs> their combined payroll ranked 11th in the majors even though they were 21st in market size. Um, yeah, there's some incredible stats out there about uh, uh, their signings and their negative war and everything. But that's actually the first time I've heard that that look at it, uh, you know, compared to their market size. And it's, it's just such a shame. Yeah, It really is. Um, so I have this fun fact. Daniel Bard, their closer, he faced... Great story. Yeah, great story. Great story. Yeah. yeah. Just, just putting it out there. But so, did you know this? He faced 53 batters... At home, only lap one home run. How many batters did he face on the road? How many batters did he face on the road? Yeah. 53. How many home runs did he let up? Just one. Right. It was the exact same. How crazy is that? Quarter crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just one and one. one. One thing about... Oh, and both were, home, were solos shots in the ninth inning. Sorry. I was just going to say one thing. I mean, the, the Rockies, uh, and I don't have data in front of me to back this up, but just having had a bunch of Rockies pitchers in fantasy, I mean, you're always, like, playing with fire because any of them are – any pitcher who pitches at cores is capable of just imploding one night. And oh, yeah. A regular implosion is just going to be amplified and magnified at Coors Field. Um, so the opposite-handed batters. Even more so. Absolutely. Um, Big DFS staple of, of DFS baseball. But the, but the Rockies, a lot of their starters have actually had somewhat decent years um, in the past couple of years. I mean, Jer- the last year. German Marquez, you know, is is a fairly you know steady presence at the top of that rotation. He's excellent. Yep. Yeah, he's good. Um, great stuff. Uh, a pitcher who came out of nowhere and was incredible for my fantasy team last year was Antonio Sensatella. Um, good just, Italian boy. Like. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then you have Kyle Freeland, who uh, is going to be starting the season on the aisle this year. 
Very Italian. Yeah. He's, he's Venezuelan. Yeah, right? no, 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 we're, we're looking him up now. I was oh, trying okay. to be sarcastic. No, no, no. I, 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 I was mainly just asking. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 he has, very, yeah. very Italian. Yeah. Great uh, radio. But. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have uh, kind of the enigma, John Gray. Um, I like Gray. I do too. Oh. Long term Rocky staple. I feel like every Yankee fan, like, you know, I would love nothing more. To Andrew's comment at the very start of this, or we're not going to be able to talk about Gary. I, I would love nothing more and have had many a dream about John Gray pitching in October to Gary Sanchez. <laughs> I used to it's, feel that I used to feel that way, and irrational love I had before uh, he got cancer and everything with, about Chad Dennis. This was like six years ago, and. I think it was just like I watched like two or three starts of his, um, and he pitched really well, and I fell in love with the guy. And obviously, didn't didn't pan out for him at all. Gray has significantly better stuff, um, but he has just regressed so much, um, and and it's it's clearly a bit of a shame because I, I don't think the Rockies have helped him uh, in, in any way at all. Seems about part of the course for them. Yep. No, that's a, it's an excellent point. Nobody. I don't know, this team is they're just going to be there. It's going to be fun. They're, you'll see some solid outings, I feel like, some games where it looks like this team can really mash the ball and other games where they're getting blown up. And it it kind of goes from I one think, to five and how that all shapes up. But I think the two most exciting storylines coming out of Colorado uh, this year are going to be seeing what the Dodgers and Padres offenses do at Coors Field. Mm-hmm. And seeing what sort of value they get for Trevor's story, um, because I would be shocked if he is still rocky by the end of the season. Yeah, you think that, and, and then there's you. We talked a lot in the Yankee podcast about the impending shortstop market, so you feel like teams may or may not want to go after that sort of thing, knowing that hey, if we're out of this, especially in the National League, do we want to you know try to get a rental because we're right there, especially with a, with just one trade deadline now. I feel like it might be something that we, like, similar to today with basketball, with Kyle Lowry, potentially going to the Sixers, Lakers, Heat, wherever, and then, we, you know, the trade deadline comes past and he's not moved. I feel like we might circle him for it. Not that I don't disagree that it would be an incredible storyline and an incredible way to yeah. for them to get value back, but it is something to, like, to also note of, do we need to try to mortgage however much, whether it's little or not, for, you know, Waiting on having money to spend, especially fans coming back to the gate, expecting a influx of cash, especially if you're in a state that isn't as careful about COVID, frankly. I think one thing you could say about the Rockies, and I think you hinted at it, Jordy, is like for as much as they've rarely been playoff contenders consistently, they've had big names. Oh, yeah. At least stable all-stars. And then guys that made impacts on other playoff teams. Which is not as much as you can say some other teams in some central divisions. Um, not that they haven't had their big, their fair share of big names come through, but it feels like the Rockies never just have one. They have two or three. They don't have a critical mass to get themselves a playoff team. But, you know, they, they have something going on. And maybe there's something to be said about that in terms of, you know, ownership not being smart but trying. Um... It's not the story you want to hear if you're a hardcore baseball fan, but Denver is a fairly transient town. There's a lot of people coming in and out. It's a big tourist hub. 
uh, a lot of hiking, you know, maybe you just put a decent product out there, you get a few names out there, make it so that people want to attend your games, and you call it a day. I don't know. Well, I feel like to that like, point, that maybe, there's a maybe lot they of... keep story, is what I'm saying. Yeah. To that point, too, I feel like a lot of their attraction at the gate is exactly that, that people want to go to Denver and see their team play. You know, you see, when the Phillies are out there, I feel like you see shots of Phillies fans there, and some maybe transplants to Denver, some might be people out there. It might be, like, the the Golden Knights in hockey get this a lot of, at whatever percentage are these hardcore Vegas hockey fans that, like, when they have an IHL team and then somehow transfer to the NHL, but then they have people going on the strip. Uh, sorry, the basketball's getting excited. People on the base strip staying there that are Flyers fans or Rangers fans or whatever. So I feel like maybe that's an aspect to it as well, and maybe they just don't care. There's you know people that own this as just a way to have cash come in, and, and maybe the Rockies are a part of that sort of thing, and not they want to own it to own a team and not own it to win. And you know we certainly have a number of those in baseball, and maybe that is what it, what it is. I mean, for what it's worth, I'd rather see Trevor Story, Herman Marquez. Marquez could be uh, a Char- serious trade. Charlie down. Blackman, then I would see, you know, versus like a team that's not the Yankees, which is my preferred team, versus I'd rather see the Pirates play. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying you want to measure up to be, you know, okay, well, at least we're not the worst. I'd rather see them than, play the, than watch the Tigers play. Yeah. I agree with that. So, something to be said about putting something that you can at least, like, market. Well, remember, like, all those the couple different seasons that Trevor Story started with, like, obviously 2016 was the big one, when it was, like, what, eight home runs in eight days, or whatever that was, but he's had a couple of those hot starts. Like, and they're just, to your point, these electric names that bring up stories and all these sort of things. We just mentioned the Blackman starting 517 or 18 games, whatever that number was, so it's, I don't know, it's fun. It'll be really interesting to see what this team does, but... Let's jump into the two top teams. The Dodgers are first. And they're coming off the World Series win. They add Trevor Bauer. We've started with Seth with the first two teams. Andrew, when you think of the Dodgers and what they've done, they won the World Series. They finally got over the hump. They add Bauer. What are you thinking with them? I'm thinking that someone left my... Fictional little brother with MLB The Show, and he changed the sliders. (laughs) The Yankees, the Mets, the White Sox, powerhouses in their divisions. The Dodgers just look like a different type of beast. No. They're just so... like The Mookie Betts trade was just such a middle finger to every other team that thought they were competing. Yeah. Like, you know, it was it was unbelievable when they made that move. And they're continuing to go forward. They get a they get the Cy Young from their league. And you can say whatever you like about Trevor Bauer, the fact that he pitched in the NL Central, the fact that he's bound for regression, that it was an overboard, whatever you want to say. The reality is the team that just won the World Series just signed the Cy Young. <laughs> and you know, I, I hate to talk in a vacuum. But they really didn't lose that much. And they added the Cy Young. It's really hard to bet against the Dodgers. They're just so damn good. Couldn't agree more. I would even just ask you, Andrew, 
Besides Kike Hernandez, what did they lose? Uh, that's a good question. You know, Kike to the, the Red Sox. Um, you know, off the top of my head, uh, did they lose a bullpen arm? I'm trying to check that now. There, yeah, I think there's a little bit of bullpen turnover. They still have they still have their starting pitching staff. Rich Hill's gone. Yeah, but like, was was he injured last year? For much of it, yeah. Yeah, um, he's with Tampa Bay now, trying to get his magic uh, Rays magic worked on his arm. Uh, but on his finger. On his finger. Thank you. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no not like huge pieces. Yeah, you got Turner back. That was your question mark, right? It's like, okay, look, is this gonna become something where they just slide someone in? Now they bring him back. They pay the money. You still got your guys hanging around. Stripling, I think, is now on the Blue yeah, Jays. Yeah, that, that, that was one I just that was, that was a, yeah, that was last year. Yeah. Um. So it, you know, that's that's my historical base of knowledge on the Dodgers, yeah. but they they could have done nothing but get better. Yeah, I mean, well, Stripling from Bluebell, Pennsylvania. I didn't know that. Do not know that either. Interesting. Um, yeah, I uh, just to jump in. It's it's you know a classic. The rich get richer. Um, you know nothing is a, a short bet in baseball, but um, it is uh, incredibly apparent that the Dodgers are the team to beat. Oh yeah. Um, when your uh, sixth and seventh starters are Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably doing something right. Um, there, uh, let's 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 put it this way. Uh, I am glad, as a Yankee fan, that uh, we don't have to see him this year, um, because they are they are simply put uh, a, a juggernaut, and uh, they are as a baseball fan going to be fun to watch. I think they also uh, it's it's important to note that um, you know the do- they still clearly have something to prove um, because they're. I, I, I don't think that they're right, but there are a not insignificant number of baseball fans who I think look at their World Series victory with a bit of an asterisk because it was a shortened season um, and and they were able to navigate those waters very differently than they have over the past couple of years. So, um, you know, I think uh, they, they certainly have a good bit to prove this year. Obviously, another big storyline going into the season is you know Corey Seager, and, and he is uh, sort of on that long list of, of impending shortstop free agents. Um, and he was uh, uh, incredible for them all postseason long, and, and if he's healthy, the sky's the limit with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Um, it's going to be really fun to see this team. You, the I agree with you. Of the people that are like, oh, shortened season doesn't matter. Like those playoffs, like how everything shook out with that, I think is it showed that the the Dodgers did what they needed to do. The, the, the best team in baseball. Won. They were they they were the best team in baseball. The two best teams from each league. No offense to the Yankees. Totally agree. Got to the World Series, so there was no. I mean, obviously the the Astros were under five hundred and got to the ALCS, and that's all crazy and everything. But the best team won. They beat the best team from the other league and all this sort of stuff. Andrew mentioned Jack Peterson. See what he does there. Um, I think, too, it's going to be really interesting to see what David Price looks like coming off of his year out with COVID. Um, if that ends up being what it is. You know, that he was the, the other piece in the Mookie Betts trade. And see what he does there. And 
how he reacts to LA media versus Boston media and his tenuous relationship with the the Boston media. You know, all the the different storylines that came out from that of that he apparently cursed out guys on a plane. Greg can certainly fill in those blanks of all those different stories. But, you know, his playoff starts with Boston, uh, notably once against the Yankees in 2018. Um, But it's going to be, I mean, this team, you mentioned the rich get richer. They didn't really lose a ton, and, and even their bench guys that they can do their plug-and-play offense and defense with. It's just, it's exciting to see where they're going. I mean, there's a reason why three of the last four years they've been in the World Series, and, you know, it's it's almost fitting that they have their first game in front of fans against the nationally team that did it out in that span, the Washington Nationals. Um, other notable scheduling games, they go to Houston at the end of May. Um, I need to flip the page to see when Houston comes back. No, August 3rd. So hopefully California gets a little more under control with COVID and we get a lot of Dodger fans. We didn't mention this in the Yankee pod. I think it is criminal that Major League Baseball did not think more fans would come as more as the season went on. And they scheduled the Houston Astros to come to New York in May. Should be in September when hopefully more people are vaccinated. You get a fuller Yankee Stadium. But at least here, we get the Astros going to L.A. in August, where hopefully California's figured out the vaccine, figured out COVID. I think that's a really interesting point. I brought this up on like a bunch of different podcasts, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's going to be awesome it's to see. It's going to be electric. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Um, obviously, Joe Kelly... Everything he's done there, we're going to see what he gets to do. Him and Trevor Bauer on the same team. Just like We're just going on fun things to look out for. Because this team is going to be really good, and we know that. Those two guys on the same team. Like, Why don't we already have a Bravo reality TV series of Kelly and May? Um, Kelly and Bauer. Dustin May, just throw him in there. He can be like the Thor to their Captain America and Iron Man. Um I've been watching the MCU recently, so I'm, I'm very much in tune with there. But why don't we have this? It would be great to see. I uh, So I really hope that uh, that Trevor isn't listening because I think he'd be all over this idea. And uh, he'd, he'd be starting to film episode number one. <laughs> and since I gave him a shout-out in, uh, in the last episode that we uh, recorded, uh, I think Paul Caroli could be a guest on that show as well. Shout-out Paul. Paul Caroli could be Trevor Bauer's personal assistant, and he'd be all for it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be awesome. And then shortly after, they come to Philadelphia, so maybe they get into a little fight. Maybe they have some suspensions. The Phillies knock off a couple wins when I'm in full baseball depression mode, and then the Eagles are about to start, so I'm really in depression mode. There you go. Yeah. But, but you know what? You might still be riding high on the Sixers NBA championship. So oh. We'll see. Seth, I love it. All right. Uh, the last thing I was just going to say, Jordy, you were talking about yeah. uh, you know uh, dates to look forward to and whatnot. I think you can also circle, uh, and maybe this is a little transition into the Padres. I think you can circle your calendar sixteen times uh, for those games. Uh, that's I, I think uh, uh, even as 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 a Yankee fan, that is the best rivalry in baseball right now. Oh yeah, um, and and is going to be for the foreseeable future. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, and it was built a little bit last year, which was awesome to see that to to the 2020 haters. You can only admit that that is one of the better storylines coming in with the Padres of everything that they did of of Slam Diego, 
and all that sort of stuff. And the Dodgers start the season in Colorado, but seeing when San Diego plays the Rockies with all of that, those don't remember of the 3-0, 100%. Fernando Tatis Grand Slam. I mean, seeing all of that, and it, it's going to be awesome. And, and let's move on to the Padres. Obviously, they've made some serious splashes coming into 2021. And the big question is, we just we just mentioned, LA's the team to beat. Where do the Padres stack up in the National League and, and comparatively to, I don't want to call them the big brother up north, but to the to the Dodgers and how that goes? Because they're only 45 minutes apart, and or maybe it's a little bit longer, but that close. How do they stack up? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think the answer is, is sort of we'll see. Um, you can go position by position, and I... I think uh, on paper they stack up really well. Yep. It's it's obviously you know uh, a shame for them. I think that uh, Clevenger is going to be out all year because um, I think that could have really shifted the balance uh, yeah. in, in that division even more. But uh, I mean the Padres still have a, a rock solid rotation, um, top to bottom, with some really encouraging prospects in there to boot. Um, it's going to be a great battle all summer. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that one of those two teams is going to be playing in the in the NL wild card game, and and uh, you know could not advance in the playoffs because yeah. of uh, you know a, a shitty pitching performance in in one game. Um, it's going to be a great battle. Um, you know, I, I think that the Dodgers probably have the depth to uh, withstand the very real challenge that San Diego is going to give them. Um, but uh, it's just, they're, they're a fun, fun team to watch. Yeah, they're going to be exciting. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. of If you look batting order to batting order of the Padres versus the Dodgers, it's just banger after banger. I mean, just even the middle of their lineup of Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, and Tommy Pham, who I feel like, May go unsung because of the three guys ahead of him there, of just what he can bring to that lineup, especially with almost the second heart of the order with Will Myers, Myers, Jesus, uh, Cronenworth, and then Austin Nola, who, you know, is, is a solid catcher there. And, came out of nowhere last year. Yeah, yeah came out of nowhere. And, and frankly, you know, no offense to Will Smith, but we'll have to see what Will Smith does. I mean, there'd be a fun battle for the best catcher in the NL West, not the best catcher in the National League because the Phillies. Thankfully, we signed him. And I keep making this about the Phillies. I'm sorry to NL West fans. But the Padres, I mean, it's going to be really fun to see what these guys do. You mentioned young guys and seeing what they'll be able to do. I mean, Lament has been in the, in the bigs for a few years. Paddock, he's going to be really exciting to see. They add Darvish. They add Blake Snell. And then Joe Musgrove, too. This rotation is going to be a lot of fun. And then... the. Real thing with them is the creative moves that they've done with bullpen guys, with making these moves from a few years ago. That everybody was kind of wondering, well, why spend all this money on Manny Machado? Why bring back Drew Pomerantz? Because remember they traded him to the Red Sox originally and then brought him back. And now he's their closer. They have Melanson. They have all of these different pieces that they've kind of done almost the reverse of what the Dodgers do of plug and play, but retool these players. And I think that's a really interesting storyline because obviously Slam Diego is going to be the headline and the storyline going forward because these guys can hit the absolute shit out of the ball. But it's their pitching is nothing to be stifled with. Couldn't agree more. To be trifled with. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that their, their pitching, to be perfectly honest, is, is 
their real strength. And I mean, yeah. they, they can go toe to toe with the Dodgers and any day of the week. I mean, it's you know, for them, I think there are more health question marks, and because there isn't that you know slam dunk six or seven yeah. like the Dodgers have. I mean, you you put uh, Dustin a Dustin May or a Tony Gonsolin in there. Um, and you've got to feel pretty confident, regardless of, of you know whether or not it's it's a Darvish or a Snell going up against you that day. Um, the, these are guys who are going to keep you in the game, and who you can feel I think really confident throwing out there against anyone, especially yeah. with your offense. You know, for for the Padres, you, you don't really have that six or seven. Um, I'm not sure what the latest on Mackenzie Gore is, but I think he's still uh, a little bit of a ways away. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and, you know, has, has not languished, but has sort of flattened out a little bit in, in his development. Certainly 2020 didn't help him yeah. at all. Um, and, and, you know, the Padres are also dealing with some more injury question marks uh, heading into the season than, than the Dodgers are if we're sort of doing a position-by-position comparison. Uh, Tatis has not been 100% healthy sure. all spring training. He's not been 100% healthy, you know, throughout his young career. Um, training that's actually a really good point because yeah. that's something two years ago that was a big, big storyline with him that he got shut down. He was hurt, and then last year, you know, he slowed down a little bit. Was a little banged up. So that's actually a really good point. Yeah, and you know, uh, sky's the limit if he's healthy. Um, but but there's an if in that sentence. Um, and, uh, you know, there are some, uh, have been some injury concerns with Nola and Trent Grisham, who's, you know, another great piece, I think an easily forgotten piece. Strikes out a ton, but it's the sonata of the ball. Who doesn't strike out a ton these days? That's very true. Very true. Um, you know, question marks all in the bullpen uh, in, in terms of health. Drew Pomerantz, Matt Strom. Um, and, and so, you know, there are, and, and Lamette uh, as well. You know, Snell, you're not going to count on for 200 innings. Um, although it'll be nice to see him uh, with a manager other than Kevin Cash, uh, and and you know to uh, to see the uh, reins pulled off a, a, a little bit. Um, Darvish, you know, always health concerns. Although has been a rock the past two years, and uh, you know seems like he's more of himself than he ever has been over the course of his uh, major league career. Um, and then I think you're absolutely right about Paddock and Musgrove, who um, you know. Paddock had a dreadful year last year. There's no way to, to sugarcoat it, but um, you know, it was still uh, kind of an old school warrior on the mound, uh, always in attack mode. Um, great father for John Boy, always uh, <laughs> uh, in, in captioning and translating things he's saying to the umps. Um, so they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, they certainly are. Andrew, you have any thoughts on them? Uh, I mean, they're. They're doing their damnedest to beat the Dodgers, and you got to give credit to anyone who's willing to do that. Um, especially to do it, you know, against a team that is so intelligent, you have to be intelligent as well. There's some divisions where you can get away with throwing money at the problem and you'll win. This is probably one of three divisions, maybe, where you have to be both willing to spend and at the top of your game in the front office. Um, I'd probably put the AL East and the, the NL East there as well, and just divisions that are just, like, so deep. Oh, yeah. That, you, you know, you, you just can't get away with signing three big names. You just need to do soup-to-nuts quality roster construction. Um, and the, the Padres have done it. Like, they haven't done it uh, without cost, though. 
I think you, your worry for the, uh, the Padres is you're got a ton of money in Hosmer. You got a ton of money in in Machado, who's great still, which is fine. You got money in Tatis, who is injury prone. You have you know some pitchers who are not exactly like two hundred inning dogs. Have some injury concerns. I'm not super worried about anyone individually, which is great. There's teams. You know, where you got, you know, Yankee huge injury concerns. Or you got teams that rely on one or two guys. Padres is so good they don't rely on one or two guys. They're so deep. But you do worry for the longevity of the franchise. If you see, you know, some real injury concerns with the Tatis. And the check pro- the checkbook is not going to be as loose as it was uh, this offseason every season. So, you know, how do you fight against Father Time? How do you improve when things go wrong? They might find themselves in hot water in a year or two. But damn, 2021, year of San Diego. It's going to be fun. I will, I will also say that uh, not, not that I didn't appreciate where they play before, uh, but just watching the ALDS and begrudgingly the ALCS uh, this, this past year, what an awesome setting. Yeah, Petco. Uh, to Petco, yeah, yeah. To, to play baseball in. Um, and uh, it's it's just fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think to the, uh, you know, timeless Herm Edwards quote, uh, you play to win the game, and that's what the Padres are doing right now. Hello? And, absolutely. And you never know, uh, you know, how the season is going to shake out. Dodgers could get, you know, very bit by the injury bug. Um, and, you know, you're, you're competing against the Dodgers, but you're also competing against uh, the entire NL and, and all of Major League Baseball, and, and the Dodgers are just, you know, sort of one piece of that puzzle. Certainly. Um, so, you know, uh, they're going to be fun to watch. I'll just say it once again. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned, before we go to the Giants and then go to predictions, all that stuff, you mentioned the NL wildcard game. And that it is going to be really unfortunate to see Padres slash Dodgers, depending on who wins and comes in second in the division. I've said this before, I said it in the NLEs podcast, but presumably against the Braves slash Mets, that it's those four teams that they get it there. And it is unfortunate. And it's one of those things of we saw before COVID of the leaked ideas of the playoff changes and all that sort of stuff. Would this accelerate that idea, do you think? Like, to get kind of tinfoil hatty? Like, you're shaking your head, and I, I kind of agree with you. Because it, it, we've had this before in 2015, the Cubs and Pot, or Cubs and Pirates were the second and third best teams in the, the NL in terms of record. And they, you know, end up playing the wildcard game. The Cubs go to the NLCS and get swept by the Mets. I don't think so, but I want to hear your take on this. No, is the short answer. I mean, I think that uh, I think that Manfred has the his his timeline in mind, and yeah. uh, he's, uh, he's 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 a little bit stubborn, and uh, so I don't think that uh, any individual storylines or anything like that are, are really going to sway him much. So yeah. uh, no, no, no is the short answer to that, and I agree with you as well about what you said about uh, I see uh, if, if I had to make an NL wild card game prediction. Um, it's it's Mets and Padres yeah. to me, and it's fine uh, too. You know, uh, Godspeed to the Padres for having to face presumably Jacob Degrom <laughs> in a winner take all game. Yeah, so. which 
the credit you got to give to the Padres is that they're finally building like a playoff team. They have two aces. Yep. What a position to be in. Absolutely. Especially in a, in a series that might be a three-game wild card down the road. And I, I don't think it should be uh, understated, um, and we're not talking about a massive sample size here, um, but Snell, historically, both individually against Dodgers hitters and then against the Dodgers as a whole, as we saw in October, has had real success against them. And I uh, think that that was absolutely on the minds of, of uh you know, the Wheelers and Dealers in San Diego, and yeah, he's, he's, he uh, is you know, two years removed from a Cy Young uh, campaign, just an incredible season, um, and so uh, it'll be exciting to see uh, what he does in those games specifically. Dodgers also a team that have always, uh, as currently constructed, struggled a little bit against lefties, so. That's actually really, that's a solid point. Um, well, let's move on, the final team of the division, we're talking about the San Francisco Giants. Year two under Gabe the Babe. What a stud. What a stud. Angel, we'll start with you. When you see the Giants and um, some young guys, some really old guys, some names, what do you think of this team? Nice ballpark, don't care. <laughs> it's a shame. Great franchise. Yeah. And they have some guys I really like. But it's just... There's something about them that I, they're they're either so smart that I can't see what they're doing, or they're just not doing much. I can't tell. They seemingly add guys a couple of years after they're the guys. They they do have a little a little tendency to do that, yeah. yeah. Who who comes to mind recently with those, that that sort of mo? Longoria is the notable one, but Tom Estelle is another one that they they got after he was you know supposed to be this. Next piece to help Mike Trout with the Angels, and then comes to San Francisco, just kind of there. You know, they have Mike Krzyzewski, solid young dude, but, you know. Say his name again? Yastrzemski. Okay. Yeah. I heard Shastrzemski. No, no, no. Yes, yes. No, I, 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 obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I just heard Shastrzemski. I mean. It's late. My pronunciation, it's late, my pronunciations are, as you know, are horrific. Notably, uh, that, um, he he was a great story last year. Oh, it was a great story. Oh, yeah. um, and he paired. And even with... two years ago, when he his yaz throughout the first pitch of the game, yeah. and he homered yeah. at Fenway Park. I one of the better stories in 2019. Um, but outside of him, I mean, even just their pitching staff, maybe not not be guys that were the guy, but are their names that have been out there for a while. Of Cueto still hanging out there. Kevin Gosman just got named their opening day starter, and he was a dude that was just in Baltimore for a really long time. Confirmed guy. <laughs> just he professional pitcher. That's had a great year last year, though. He did, he did have a good year. Last. That's that's a fair mid, point. Mid and 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 I mean, did very well. Uh, got got a qualifying offer and took it. Yeah. So yeah, that's fair. He, that I will say about Yaz is that he pairs with my. They make up my favorite underdog, outfield. Okay. Which is really just a corner outfield because I am a Alex Dickerson fan. I think this guy is so sneaky good, and every time you watch Alex Dickerson, you're like, man, if you could just stick around, you know, he's such a great piece. And I think him and Yaz are like just this classic white guy, lefty, 
you know, not young, not old. They might be both like 30-ish. Alex Dickerson is 30, and uh, let's see, Yaz is... Dickerson, to, to finish your point, though, 10 doubles, 10 homers. Yaz is 30. A, there you go. Also from over. 52 games last year. That's probably, you know... Yeah, they, they could swing Could be it. a 20-home run season, yeah. And Yaz, obviously, uh, you know, also a huge power guy. Yeah. Done a ton, a ton of great stuff, but, I mean, the other side of the coin, though, is... You have these old guys. Mentioned Longoria, still Buster Posey hanging out there, and you have to wonder how much are we going to get out of him because they don't get the DH to kind of stick him in there. He did get stuck at first base a couple times and in kind of a weird platoon with Brandon Belt a couple years ago. was sneakily a good DFS player for that exact purpose that you could have him as, quote, your catcher when he was playing first base. Um but, it, you know, that Brandon Crawford, these guys aren't getting any younger. And they're, I don't know, it's just something with the Padres of you have to kind of wonder how they're going to manage having young guys, having exciting dudes like a Dickerson, like a Yaz, and still go from there. Can I come clean? Sure. I've misidentified the Dickerson. You know my Corey? Think Corey Dickerson? I think Corey Dickerson. Alex Dickerson was uh, very I, good I, last year. So was, he had a good year. He had a good year. He was very good last year. And I remember him from last year, and I just assumed he was the same guy because no. I don't care about the Giants. Have I mentioned it? They're just not exciting. I was like, wow, that's that guy who was on the Phillies and the Marlins. Good for him. So Turns I, out he's not. I yeah. think that this Sorry, was actually guess. a big ploy to make a, a much larger point about not caring about the Giants, and you've effectively made it. This is a point we made at the Rangers, too, that they have all these different names of dudes I care, I care, I care other even teams. less about the Rangers than I yeah. about the Giants. See, that that's funny. I actually care more about the Rangers because the Rangers are so... They're bad no. and they're not well run. So I'm like fascinated. Just like I'm like... like I'm morbidly curious like I am about the Rockies. Interesting. They have a new Versus, ballpark. Do you know they have a new ballpark? I've heard. And yeah. they're going to make everyone's allowed in. Unlimited tickets. <laughs> cough on each other. It's going to be great. Um, but... The, the Giants do this thing where they get these guys who are okay major leaguers, and these last few seasons, these guys just have seasons. They put it together. Yeah. I will say... Donna Solano. He crushed the ball last year. I had year. no idea this. He's a silver slugger winner, I think, last year. I forgot completely about this because he popped up on their stat line for 2020. You forgot about the San Francisco Giants? Well, I did forget about that. He said incredulously. But I forgot that Pablo Sandoval ended up signing with the Braves. I completely forgot. He was with them last year. He played a game, and then he made an appearance in the World Series, which technically did not get a game played, but he had three at-bats. Look at this. Yahoo. More Yahoo stat reporting terribly. He went 0-3 with two strikeouts. Classic Pablo. Um... Yeah, that, that's one that you... I don't know. The, the Giants, you made the joke. They're easy to forget about. Uh, also, you're absolutely right, Andrew. Uh, they are incredibly white. Very white. Starting lineup, the only non-white player, assuming that... Oh, you said, you said Gossman's been named the opening day starter? Correct. Is Mauricio Dubon? Yeah, I was to say. Field. And wow. He, and you have Wilmer Flores as well. 
Uh, I will. The only other thing that I think is worth mentioning, um, I and this is largely because of pride, because I don't think he's uh, uh, going to do much of anything with the remainder of his major league career, because I, I think he's just going to continue to get bit by the injury bug. Um, I've always been an irrational Aaron Sanchez fan, um, and he's he's going to get a chance to start again with them. I think he's probably going to have a very long rope. Um, it was just incredible, uh, his, his rookie campaign with the Jays. Um, you know, watched him a lot against the Yankees, obviously, and um, just kind of a dictionary definition of, of a pitcher who throws a heavy ball. Uh, his, his sinker just sawed off. Uh, a ton of hitters always had control problems and has obviously had blister problems and other injury problems, but um, could be a possible redemption story to uh, you know keep uh, keep a watch in the corner of the eye. Certainly, uh, playing in San Francisco, pitching in San Francisco, I should say, is is a great setting uh, if if you want to you know write a comeback story. It's good to have those on the radar. So Absolutely, I'll be looking out for that one. But let's move on. So for the sake of time, it is it's getting close to midnight on the East Coast. So we're going to skip the fantasy draft, which normally comes after predictions. But we're going to make predictions the last part of the night. I think we've kind of pointed out what we think. But let's put it on the record. Seth, we'll start with you. Can I Can I actually, though, real quickly, cause ask one fantasy position? Because I, I think most are probably pretty easy yeah. in LOS. Who would you take as your shortstop? So this is why it's fun to have the draft. I understand. Yeah. But I think that's by far the most fun position. No, it, it certainly is. Um, I love Tatis, but I'm probably going to see here. I'm taking a story. Okay. I'm going to sell some shirts. I'll bring Tatis. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Tell, answer me this. In lieu of the fantasy draft, is there a single position that you do not Bill from the Padres or the Dodgers to fill in your NL West roster. So Seth just did. He fills in the story, which is argued, but you can, I'll give him that. I think that's, that's, a, that's a fair choice. He's a great player. Um. No. Yeah, no. I don't think there is. That's, what, that's why having a third is fun for it, because then seeing who's... The person who's second... Because it's a snake draft. So second just is fun. They get to take whoever is not on the Dodgers or the Padres. The third gets to gets to make some choices. Yeah, I mean, Story is probably the best candidate for one of them. I mean, who would be the next for... I mean, you could talk, like, best players, and then you start to consider, like... I mean, he's not the best, but he's a name. Charlie like, Blackman might be exactly. up there, yeah. Well, Blackman is there, I mean, I think, uh, you know... Consider Catal uh, Marte, yes. Marte bounce back. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, I, uh, I mean, Muncie is starting at first for the Dodgers, right? If, if projected, we're, if we're yeah. filling out a depth chart, he is yep. there. Projected players. too, yeah. So I mean, you. I'm not saying I would make an argument, but uh, Christian Walker and Brandon Belt are names to throw out. At first base, I mean, yeah. it's not as if Hosmer or Muncy are, are super excited. I would rank them above the two, but you could have a discussion. Certainly, one of the closer positions. Yeah, um, 
you know, you look at, uh, you know, the third outfielder slot, you know, obviously Mookie and uh, Bellinger are taking two of them. Um, but yeah. that's that's kind of where Blackman, I think, starts to, to come into play a little bit. Yeah, I think you, you roll back the clock a little bit. You obviously you get Posey, yeah. but I don't think you do that anymore with uh, no. with Will Smith and even with Noah and an older Posey. Totally agree. Brady Bell is only 32 years old. He's about to turn 33. Interesting. One of those guys that gets written off because, because he's, he's not, a giant. Right. You know, obviously he had his time in the sun. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I was just writing him off a few minutes ago, so. Yeah. Hand up. Well, well, I, think, I think he's a free agent. Give me some sure. random stats. How did he do? He well, batted 300 well, last year. Did he really? See, I would have never known that. I would have never known that That's either. I would have assumed that he got he, a whole bunch of stuff. Did he play a decent amount of games? He played 51 games, oh, 9 homers, 30 ri- ribbies, only 36 strikeouts, okay. which I feel like is astounding. So that's a that's an easy 20 home runs. That's season. a 25 home run. Not 20, a crazy high strikeout season. season. No. And he hits 300. That's great. Yeah. OPS over a thousand. Was it? Wait, what? Yeah, he had tw- he had thirteen doubles, nine home runs, and a triple. Brandon Bell is fantastic. Yeah, I think so. I think the storyline on him last year, at least, just just trying to jog my own memory, is that um, he finally started playing AT and T Park like it's a. It, that's what that's what they call it now, right? Uh, no, it's it's Oracle, Oracle Park. Oracle, excuse me. Oracle it was AT&T. Uh, he's finally started playing Oracle Park like a lefty who can hit to all fields should be playing Oracle Park. Mm. I thought you were going to say like Oracle Arena. No. Where the Warriors play. Yes. Just drop it. Dropping threes from everywhere, even though they had one triple. That's true. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful ballpark. Absolutely. Unreal ballpark. Never been inside, but I have looked in the gate. I've never been to San Francisco. I've heard it's a wonderful town. It is a wonderful cool. town. Cool place. Uh, uh, the only one I've been to in the West is Dodger Stadium. I've been there a couple times. Dodger Stadium is pretty cool. Chavez Arena is pretty awesome. Yeah, I've been to Petco and I've been to... Uh, oh, again, I've been inside, but I've been right outside uh, in Denver. Yeah, I've been right outside Chase Field. I think that uh, Coors is a, uh, a hugely underrated stadium. That's I've heard cool. that. That's beautiful. I've heard it's incredible. Yeah, I've been a couple times. Uh, I've been to Oracle, uh, whatever you want to call it, a couple times. Yeah, um, absolutely beautiful. I went maybe two years ago, the year before the pandemic, and uh, it's a really weird experience because it was like just an incredibly techie culture. The entire crowd was on their phones. Uh, That's what I've heard. Yeah, it was That's like a lot very, of people's problems with like, Warriors games. It was sort of. It was almost. It was like. It's a very corporate experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just not like. Uh, it's the irony of the Warriors the other night when they played the Sixers. They had the Oakland, the that mid two thousands logo of just like, that's when it was like real fans, it's, quote it's, unquote. It's, it's not an Oakland crowd, though. Yeah, yeah. not anymore. Now it's in San Francisco. How could you do that and drink a twenty dollar twenty four ounce Bud Heavy and eat a chicken bucket? You can't. You can't be on your phone and do that. But you can be on your phone Instagramming a 12-ounce Lagunitas or Russian River. Um, Great California beers. With some avocado toast. That's true. Avocado? Avocado, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, avocado? Like vodka and an avocado? No, it's just a different way to pronounce avocado. Oh. Um, I, like, I, I thought that was like, like, like avocado toast, but for alcoholics. I mean... 
We can make it happen. Like it's like a <laughs> like instead of putting a lemon slice in your vodka tonic, you put an avocado <laughs> slice. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, a little bit of, you, fa- you blend it. Does the you know. does the fat absorb the booze? Is no. that how chemistry works? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I can't prove otherwise. So yes. <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to say with Dodger Stadium, if you go early enough, at least thirteen shit thirteen years ago when I went, that they let you go onto the warning track during batting practice. What? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And That's you're just hanging crazy. out there. You know who you know who probably ruined that? Who? Zach Campbell. Oh. It's a good it's a good one. It will him ass. Yeah. I, I will just say for the record that uh, I've never been to LA for work or personal. I have no desire to go to LA I have no desire to go to either. I, I'd like to go to those stadiums at some point. Uh, I just am not a fan of LA as a concept. Well, as my grandmother, rest in peace, would point out to you, the Dodgers is LA baseball. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of America, of Earth, are not LA baseball. Good to know. Yeah. She was very adamant about this. When they changed their name, she was... She and the Dodgers. The Dodgers had this is LA baseball as you walked into Dodger Stadium. Very upset about it. Oh, it's it's a shame that that rivalry isn't more than it could be because it could be a lot of fun. It, it, would, it would be a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, we just did the Yankee podcast. The Mets are back. Do we get the full six game series this year? Yankees yeah. Mets. I think I think it's just four. It's just four games. I think, I'm not positive. The four actually. and four days. And, yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not positive though. So don't. Uh, don't put me on that. I mean, the, the I guess that's right because that was one of the big natural rivals, quote unquote, changes. Is that instead of getting the two three game series, as you guys have to concede the two games, yeah. So the Phillies could play either the Red Sox or the Blue Jays as their natural rival. Jordy is doing air quotes for the record. Yes, I think it's incredibly. I like the concept, but it's incredibly stupid to call it quote unquote natural rivals. Um, but I think that's going to do it again because of time. And because it's really late. You want a quick prediction? Who's winning? Oh yeah, we didn't do predictions. We were just we just got onto our. So you want who's winning the division? I was gonna say top to bottom. Okay, uh, Dodgers, Padres. Okay. Giants, D-backs, Rockies. I was the same as you. Okay. I was. The chalk seems to have the Rockies third, which I don't really see. I feel like that's gonna turn into some sort of. I hate to say that because I have friends that are that are Rocky fans. My sister used to live in Denver. You're not, you're not calling them a slur. It's okay. Yeah. So you can, seems like it's going to be a dumpster fire. And I would almost say Arizona fifth, but the Rockies just seem like they're going to let up. And you mentioned the most astute point, well, one of the most astute points you made, was the Dodgers and Padres going to Colorado, and that's going to show their true colors of the Rockies. Andrew, what do you got? Dodgers, Padres, hurts me. Rockies, Giants, D-backs. I think that I probably have that wrong, but I just think the Rockies roster has too much upside to be a total basement dweller. Uh, My doubt is driven by the fact that I also don't think that the Diamondbacks can possibly be as bad as they were last year. I think that their stars 
showed have shown too much quality in the past for Catel Marte and Escobar to, to hit as poorly as they did last year. So I think they'll be better. But the reality is there's two teams, there's a giant gulf, and then there's everybody else. Yeah, that's the perfect way to put it. How uh, cool would it be, though, if the Padres won? Would you support it? Was that... Is if they cool? won the division? Yeah. Would, oh, yeah, would I'd be, be all for it. I said the I would, same thing. I would prefer the Padres to win the NL West. I said the same thing about the Mets, is that I would honestly, as much as I hate the Mets, because of how much the Braves won when I was younger, and it's the same thing with the Dodgers now, because of how much they've won now, that I'd love to see New Blood get a division crown. And I don't think it's going to happen pragmatically, but emotionally I'd love to see it happen. If they're right there, if we get something... To the level of 2017 of team that makes the huge splash and you know keep fighting and the team that should be way better kind of falters and we get a one, game 163 that turns into I'm not saying this is the Dodgers are going to go by the way of the Cubs of they go to game 163 losing the wild card and that's all she wrote um, no that's not what was in that was 2018 um, but if we get something like that. Or the Padres use that to propel themselves all the way to at least the NLCS, if not the World Series. I would love to see that storyline because Fernando Tatis is one of the best personalities in baseball and he deserves to get elevated to that level. And it's awesome that the Padres have built around that. Yeah, I'd love for the culture in the front offices to look like, hey, pay your young guys, trade for studs, win games win yeah. world series how cool would that be doesn't you don't need like i mean how many gms are really looking at you know the yankees if you're like the orioles the padres were bad they're really bad if you're i mean remember five or six years ago they traded for craig kimbrell and everybody was like they're gonna make they're gonna be it was the hype that this team was getting, but it felt like more because it was on opening day. They traded for Kimbrel. And the Upton brothers. Yeah, they're right. Both the Upton brothers. They just gotten Will Myers. Like it was this. They're they're gonna do it. They're gonna change the game and all of this. And now they're finally doing it, and it's awesome to see. Because you're right, they were really bad. The stones on a smaller market team to look at the Dodgers and be like, "Fuck those guys." Yeah. That is awesome. And, like, if you, if you can get that in, in other divisions and, and that idea spreads, like, hey, I know we just spent, like, an extra 20 mil, but we're in the well, world fuck it. Yeah. I, I feel like they've also made a bet. On, I mean, you, you said some interesting things, Andrew, about the Denver market and some of the realities, that ownership. I think maybe some of those are a little bit overstated because I just think that they have a dumb front office. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, it's definitely and, a spin. Yeah. Uh, but but it's a really interesting spin, one that I hadn't thought about very much. Um, but I think you could probably say a lot more for that as it relates to San Diego. There's one thing just looking at Padres games that San Diego um, seems to be doing is bringing young fans to the ballpark. And, I mean, they're, they're exciting. That's a really good um, point. You know, I mean, Tatis is... Uh, you know, represents kind of a, a new new age, new wave of baseball. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if part of their discussions center around the fact that, excuse me, um, you know, yeah, we're a smaller market, but is there any way 
um, that we can inch up and become a somewhat larger market. Yeah, I'm um, sure there is. So. I mean, he's in commercials with Serena Williams, with Damian Lillard. Granted, they're in different Bolt 24 commercials, but the fact that he's on that same level, it, it certainly says something that that's now your cornerstone that you're investing so much in. So that's a really good point. Of, this is your chance for a, for a Griffey. This is your chance. Exactly. For, that's a really this good This is your point. chance for people around the country to wear a Mariner's hat. Except, you know, now it's a Padre's hat. Just it's that weird brown color. <laughs> I say that to somebody who went to a university that's brown and white. Brown and gold is a, it's a look. Does Lehigh spiritually align with the Padres? I guess so. on colors alone. Do you feel any kinship? Um, when they rock the browns? Are you like, I've seen that before. I like those guys. You know, Lehigh did try to introduce a yellow into the mix. Did they right? Right when they first introduced the Mountain Hawk. There's like, if you look at the original logo, there's like green in there too. It's a very weird look. They still wear gold for the football team does and the women's basketball team have it. I think the lacrosse teams might have down their jerseys. Um, but it's not that like mustard yellow. It's more of a gold to it. But it uh, to answer your question, it's... I'm trying to think of, of Lehigh baseball players and where are they now, but it would be appropriate if one was in the Padres system. Do you, do you look at the Padres and do you ever think, like, they wear brown, I wear brown, we're aligned? No, I haven't thought that. Because I do think sometimes, I went to St. Joe's University in Philly, I look at the Atlanta Hawks, who are no threat to me because they're not that good at basketball, and I like the Sixers. That's not true. And... I'm like Trey well, Young would beg to differ. They're in fourth place right now. Well, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> right? They're the Giants to me. They're just this team that you know doesn't really directly compete with the Sixers, so it doesn't matter all that much. And I look at the Hawks and I'm like, no, I love the Hawks. They're red. I was red. They're called Hawks. I'm Hawks. So if they're playing, I root for them. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. <laughs> Seth and Andrew, thanks for hopping on. This was a lot of fun. And next up on the listeners' feed should be our Yankee podcast, which we've already recorded and was awesome. So, guys, thank you for doing this double podcast. I think this was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks, Jordy. Much appreciated. Yeah. For you all, go subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. ThunderBLG on Twitter. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. The Flyers got absolutely demolished tonight, so there should be a great rant from me on the Thunderblog Instagram. But that'll do it for Seth, for Andrew. I am Jordy, the G-Man. Have a great weekend. Go Phils. Go baseball. We're one week away.